Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to get it in our Bible study. So I, it, I hope you remember to bring your Bible. If not, like I said, we have some extras. Um, but grab your Bible. And before we get into our Bible study, uh, I'd like for us to pray together. And people who pray together stay together. Um, so whatever table you're at, just make a little prayer huddle. Make a little prayer huddle. Reach out, you know what I say, reach out and touch someone. So you can say, I came to church and I got touched. So <laughs> you maybe don't say it like that. So, um, so, so as, as I'm praying, let's just pray for each other. Um, let's pray that God opens up our, our eyes and our hearts to his word, that he speaks to us through his word. So, so let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together. God, this is the most important part of what we're going to do this weekend. It's, it's intaking your word. Um, so, God, I pray that as we do that, um, God, that we won't need to be um, entertained, uh, that we won't need to be um, danced in front of, but, God, that your word will be what attracts us and what feeds us and what satisfies us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple years ago, yeah, by the way, in your notes, in your, in your binder, just turn like until you get to the be bold thing there, and it's gonna say it's gonna say this. It's gonna say session one, one before two. So go ahead and go to that page. You just keep keep turning, keep turning. And it'll kind of look like that. It'll say be bold. Session one, one before two. So how some of you, a lot of you were here. Remember when we did the Play-Doh series? How many of y'all remember when we did the Play-Doh series? You remember? We had that, you know, Wyatt and I were spanking that big thing of Play-Doh. Yeah? Okay. Um, so we did the Play-Doh series, and some, you, you, you probably only remember the Play-Doh part of it. But uh, behind the Play-Doh series was this shift that we, um, we tried to do in our youth group. And... Um, I talked to you a little bit about it, and yet it was great that um, our youth group was growing, but the problem was um, there's only so many people that I can be a pastor to, you know? Um, and it, this is true no matter where you go. Um, in our church, you know, we have, on a Sunday morning, you know, somewhere between eight and 900 people, and um, um, Pastor Lemming is our, is our senior pastor, but underneath Pastor Lemming, um, there are five um, assistant pastors, I'm one of them, and uh, because pastor can't, I mean, he, he's the pastor of everyone in our church, but he can't be hands-on with everyone. So, like, some, on Mondays, if somebody has a surgery, instead of pastor going to pray with that person before their surgery, I go down and pray with that person. And sometimes, you know, I have, you know, I, I've prayed with this older lady a couple weeks ago, and I went down, I got up at 5.30 in the morning, went down to pray with her at 6 in the morning at St. Mary's for her foot surgery. And I walk in, she goes, oh, well, the pastor can't come down himself to pray with me. He sent the youth pastor. <laughs> and I was like, it's nice to see you two at six in the morning. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but you understand why the pastor can't be at everybody's surgery because he would just be living at the hospital. So he has us working alongside him to help. Here's the problem. Um, God has blessed our youth group in the fact that we have a lot of people that come and that want to learn and want to connect with God, but I can't 
make it. I, I, I tried. <laughs> I totally failed. I can't make it to every one of your soccer games and every one of your basketball games. And I can't be, I can't be there for you every waking moment of the day. Um, so how in the world can we as a youth group grow and continue to reach people with the gospel? And two years ago when we did our Play-Doh series, what we talked about was um, instead of Refuel having one youth pastor and 80 students, what we need to have are 80 youth pastors. And what I said you needed to do and we needed to do was each of us to see ourselves as a youth pastor as a minister, because that's what, the Bible, that's what the Bible talks about. And some of you took it way too far, like I knew you would, and your Instagram handles changed to, like, you know, WV Rev Avery and stuff, and, and that was funny. Uh, <laughs> they started going around calling themselves reverend, and I was cool with that, you know, whatever it takes. Um, but, you know, if we really want to reach Tri-state teenagers? How, does anybody remember how many teenagers there are in the tri-state? At one point, Jackson remembered it, and I don't know if you still remember that number. It's nine. Will you remember? Yeah, twenty-two. It was like twenty-two thousand two hundred ninety-one. I think was the exact. And um, and um, if we want to reach those two twenty-two thousand two hundred ninety-one, um, every person in the room has to be a youth pastor. In order to do that. Something that I had to go through um, was training. Pastors need to be trained. They need to go through seminary. And what we're going to do this weekend is kind of like a weekend seminary, I guess you could say. You know? I, I feel like at the end of it, maybe I should, like, knight all you guys or, you know, you know <laughs> and, and, and send you off. But I, I believe if we go through the book of Acts and we learn this stuff, you will be equipped to be quote-unquote, a youth pastor to the people who are around you. Um, so, if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it kind of shows us a church that I would really like to attend. Um, yeah, I've been at this church for 25 years of my life. A little over 25, 27 years of my life. And, um, you know, there were times where I, when I was a kid, they wanted me to, my parents wanted me to go to church. I'm like, I don't want to go to church. Yeah, I'm tired. Um, I want to play video games, whatever. I had all kinds of reasons I didn't want to go to church. Um, this church in Acts 2, it's a church you want to go to. Read about what happens in their church services. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So imagine sitting like yeah, they were sitting in what was called the upper room, and we're kind of in the upper room of the student ministry building, aren't we? Um, so imagine as we're sitting together and praying and studying the Bible, all of a sudden the building starts shaking. And you're like, oh, no, this is like, you know, Twister. Like, you know, we were waiting for a cow to come through the window, you know. And, and there's, it's rumbling, and the wind is like tearing through the building. And then all of a sudden fire comes in with the wind. It's like earth, wind, and fire, you know. And, and, and Y'all are too young to get the reference. Um, so, <laughs> Laura gets it. Um, but 
a pit, like fire starts coming into the building, and this pillar of fire separates, and all of a sudden there's this like flame on top of Gabe's head. And you're like, uh, Gabe, uh, bro, you're like on fire. <laughs> and then it starts resting on the heads of every person here. And you're like, this is really creepy. And then the Holy Spirit enters each person in the room. And then they start exhibiting these gifts of the Spirit. They start speaking in tongues and they start prophesying. They start healing. Imagine what it would be like sitting in that quote-unquote church service. It would be pretty wild. Um, so one of the first reasons I would like to be a part of this church in Acts is just because God was visible. Um, you didn't have to go to church and, you know, you know, some people go to church and they think they've met with God because the bass was really loud. And it's like, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the bass, you know, giving you one of those code brown notes, you know, <laughs> on the bass guitar. That's not it. Um, but, but it was where there was a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. The next cool thing that happens in this church is ordinary people start doing some really crazy, unordinary things. Um, Look at verse 5. It says, They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in a bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, verse 7, they said, Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Let's explain a little bit about what's happening here. Um, the disciples and the apostles and the first Christians, there were about 120 of them who were meeting in this upper room, they weren't exactly what you call the upper crust of society. They weren't the ones who got all Gucci'd up and went to like the Grammys. Like, they were rednecks like us. They were from Galilee, a place that was known for its fishing. You know, <laughs> just like we have the Guyandot River. You know, <laughs> they had the Sea of Galilee. Um, when, when a Galilean went to Jerusalem, it was kind of like when people from Salt Rock go to New York City. N nothing against you if you live in Salt Rock. It's just the first place I was thinking of. You know, I'll say it for David. You know, it'd, be, it'd be like, you know, for David, it, you know, uh, it'd be like going from Wayne County to, uh, <laughs> to New York City, right? You know, you know, People don't expect much of us in West Virginia, do they? I hate it because there's a lot to, there's a lot to love around here. But, but it'd, be like, it'd be like you guys, who maybe you consider yourself ordinary, it'd be like all of a sudden you go out and you start reaching people and you start making a difference and people are saying, aren't all those people from West Virginia? Aren't those people all dating their cousins? No, no, God is using them. Right, So you see, I want to be a part of this church because it's ordinary people like me, but they're being used by God to do extraordinary things. Um, keep reading through chapter 2, and you, you also learn uh, that <laughs> um, not only were they doing extraordinary things, extraordinary things were happening. So obviously they attract a crowd, right? They're all speaking in these different languages, and they're not exactly people who were trained in different languages. And everybody's astonished and they're listening. So then Peter, who's kind of the loud mouth of the group. Every group has a loud mouth. So wherever you are at your table, point to the loud mouth of your table. Who's the loud mouth of your table? Just point to him. Yeah, just point to him. Yeah, every <laughs> Laura's owning it over there. <laughs> yeah, every group has a loud mouth. And Peter was the loud mouth of the disciples. So obviously, Peter just can't. <laughs> I lost you, didn't I? But obviously, Peter can't pass up a good opportunity to talk in front of a lot of people. So Peter stands up in front of everyone, 
and he starts preaching to the crowd, and he actually does a pretty good job um, explaining why all these people are, because yeah, they're all speaking different languages, and some of them are making fun of the disciples, saying, they're not speaking other languages, they're just drunk. You know, they're just babbling. And Peter says, no, they're not drunk. They're speaking other languages because they've been entered by the Holy Spirit. And Peter just, he just, you know, he gets up in like the Enola Gay and drops a bit, you know, those the, Benjamin knows what I'm talking about. That is the plane that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. He gets gets in a war plane and he drops a five megaton gospel bomb on the people that are in the, the audience. He shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells them how to be saved. And Peter wasn't exactly, uh, you know, the most, like, smooth talker. You know, he, he was kind of a rough guy who had a short fuse. But God, the Holy Spirit used him, used him so much that look at what people's reactions were. It says um, in verse 37 of chapter 2, after Peter finishes, you know Peter had to use a lot of words, right? So most of Acts 2 is Peter's sermon, you know, because Peter was a windbag. Um, but when he finishes, in verse 37, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Meaning, what should we, in uh, some versions, if you have like the New King James, the King James Version, it says, what shall we do to be saved? And these weren't like people that were like, kind of whimsical people who would just do anything. Uh, most of the people who were in Jerusalem at that time had made a pilgrimage um, for the Passover season. So these were like well-accomplished like business people who had the money and had the funds to make it to Jerusalem to do this. So these were people that had heard it all. Like they had heard the spiel. You know, they had been sold to and they had been talked to, but it says they were cut to the heart. Um, I'd love to go, yeah, and I mean, I believe we have this church, but, you know, wouldn't it be incredible to come to church, and every time you came to church, you knew that the Word of God was going to cut to people's hearts and change people's lives um, every time. So I put tough guys crying, you know, because the Bible even has the, the power to make a big, tough guy Realize that he's got a sin problem. That's what these guys realized. So they asked him, what should we do to be saved? And Peter, obviously, <laughs> never, wonder, never, never um, hurting for words, right, um, says, repent and be baptized, verse 38, each one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Keep going. It says, with many other words, remember in verse 40, many other words, Peter loves to talk. Um, he, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And this is what's so cool. Verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this, out of this crowd, 3,000 people, boom, at one time got saved. And the number of Christians in the world, in a matter of minutes, went from 120 to 3,120. And it says that as soon as they were saved, they were baptized. Can you imagine, like, those, those poor apostles that were baptizing 3,000 people, like, their shoulders were killing them. <laughs> like, you know, they, 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 were, they were, boom, got another one, boom, got another one, boom. You know, I, if 3,000 people were baptized, I'd want to be the first one because I'll bet that water is pretty disgusting after 3,000 people, you know, <laughs> got baptized in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty disgusting. You won't be able to see through that water. But can you imagine Imagine what a service would be like at our church if 3,000 people were baptized. 
Um, the closest thing I've ever been to that was one time there was this, you know, at, at this, the college I went to, all these people got saved. I think like 200 people got saved in a matter of three weeks at our college, and they had a baptism service for 200 people. And they brought in from the area, I think like six or seven different pastors and they all took, they, they rotated, and they took turns, like, baptizing, because it was just too much for one person to do. Can you imagine, wouldn't it be cool if, like, one Sunday at Lewis, we had to rotate through all the pastors, because we were just getting worn out baptizing people, because people were cut to the heart. I'd like to be a part of that church. So what happened after all those people got baptized? Well, this really cool community started forming. Um, and we read it, about it in um, Acts 42, or two, chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And I just kind of called it, if you're following in the notes, I called it love everywhere. Look at this passage. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread. <laughs> We're going to be doing a lot of that this weekend. And to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying all the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this little group of people started forming, and they started, you know, after they got saved, you know, the first 3,120 Christians, they started meeting together all the time. And as they met together, there were some things that kind of like defined what it meant for them to meet together. And the first thing that it shows is that they loved doctrine. What in the world is doctrine? Anybody want to take a stab at what that means? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Jude? A belief of a group of people? That's, that's pretty good. So like a, a thing that collectively people agree on? That's pretty good. Um, the, the word for doctrine in here is, it can also be translated to teaching. Um, so it, it really, it has to do with like, they wanted to learn what was right and what was wrong. They wanted to learn what Jesus taught. Um, they didn't have to come to church because we were giving out free popcorn. Uh, <laughs> not that I ever want to stop doing popcorn here <laughs> because that's like our incense. But um, they came to church because and they, and they gathered together for one reason. They wanted to hear what God had to say. This book had not been completed yet, but they wanted to hear what Jesus taught. And that should be why we get together. And I'd love, I would love to c come to a church where people came not because they felt like their arm was twisted to come. I'd love to be a part of a youth group where the people that were there weren't just there because their parents like made them come. I'd love to be a part of a group of people who they came for one reason. It's because they love God's word. I think it would be pretty awesome. Um, they also loved each other. Um, there was a guy named Tertullian. I think that's a cool name. Like, when you all get older and make babies and have kids, get married, make babies, have kids, name your son Tertullian. I want to make sure I got the sequence right. But name your son, that's the coolest name ever. Name your son Tertullian. Okay, so all you that have boys, you got to name him Tertullian. Um, but he, he, he observed, he became a Christian later, but from the outside looking in, he made this comment about Christians. He said, see how they love one another and how they're ready to die for one another. These people were devoted to each other. It says they were devoted to fellowship. They didn't just come together and study the Bible. They, like, actually enjoyed spending time with each other. Um, and to prayer, they prayed together. They loved to pray together. So that's why I had you guys do your prayer huddles, as uncomfortable as some of you were. 
Um, some of you guys, some of you love to huddle, you know. Um, but, you know, for some of you it's uncomfortable because they, they prayed together. Um, they also love to gather. It says, um, it says every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Um, every day. Can you imagine? Like, it's hard for us to get together once a week. Like, and we're like, man, you know, oh, church is so early, you know, and then I, you know, I got to feed the dog, you know, I got to, you know, I got to walk the kid, feed the dog, whatever it is, and, you know, and get, get to church, and I'm tired, I'm hungry, but, but we drag ourselves there once a week. They, they met together every day. I mean, I don't know how we would necessarily be able to do that. Um, I've been kicking around the idea of maybe trying to figure out one way that we could maybe do that this summer, like just meet together every day to study the Bible, like during summer break. I think that'd be fun. I don't know how we'll do it, um, but that's just kind of an idea. Um, but they, they love to gather together. Um, I hope you love to gather together with the people of God. Like that's a place, yeah, I want to go to a place where the people that are there want to be there. Yeah, if everybody there is bored, everybody there don't want to be there, I don't want to be there. Um, so look at this church. Isn't this a church like, this is a church I would join. Um, this is a church I want to be a part of. Um, this is a youth group that I would really want to be a part of. So how can we, if, if we see that and we want that in our youth group, how do we make that happen? How do we have that early church feel in our youth group? Um, I'm going to give you guys a two-minute break to think about it. So if you need to go to the bathroom, get a drink, stretch, do it. So you had some good discussions, I hope. Um, have a seat. Um, so what do you, did it, I don't know if any of y'all actually discussed this or not or if you just chilled. Um, either way, it's Okay. So, what was the secret of this church? What was the secret sauce? You know what I mean by secret sauce? You know, like McDonald's puts the secret sauce on their Big Mac. You know, we don't know what's in it. Yeah, so what was, the, what, what was so special about this church? What did they do right? Anybody have any thoughts? Oh, you guys have, they gathered as much as possible. Oh, you have, exam, you guys are just on it. Um, you, you guys are really, okay. Um, they gathered as much as possible, and you, they gave examples like Sunday, Wednesday, get together for Bible study, D-Now, um, doing labs like we do in the summer, hot pursuit when we go reach out to people. So they gather together. Oh, you got, oh, you got, I should, I should have had more faith in all you guys. Um, they love, love everyone despite who they are, and they prayed together constantly. That's good. Um, associate with people with more people than just your clicks. That's good. And you spell clicks right, which is hard to spell right. I always mess that up. So anybody else? Ha did you come up with anything? Okay. Well, some of you um, maybe that have been here before, you know how we work with our whiteboards. So um, here in a little bit, we're going to have some questions that we discuss together, and I'll give you like two minutes to discuss it at your table. And when you do, just come up with an answer right on the whiteboard, and we'll compare some answers. Um, so the secret sauce of this church um, in Acts 2, the reason this is called one before two is because if you want a youth group or a church like Acts 2, you have to do what they did in Acts 1. Hence the one before two. Um, if we want to have what they had, we have to do what they did. Um, so look at Acts chapter 1. 
Um, anybody know who wrote, this is kind of Christian trivia, I guess. Anybody know, know who wrote the book of Acts? Avery. Luke, yes. Um, so what's really cool is if you read Luke and then you read Acts, it's almost like it's one big document. It's not, but it's, it, it's meant to be read like one after the other. It's kind of like Lion King 1 and Lion King 2, you know? Um, so <laughs> um, in Acts 1, you know, Paul, or not Paul, um, Luke addresses this friend that he's writing to. Um, and he says, okay, in the first book I wrote to you, in the first work I wrote to you, I gave like this chronicle of Jesus' life. Now in the second book, I want to like give all the documentation about what happened after Jesus went back to heaven. And he, when he does that, he describes this church that we read in Acts chapter 2. Um, but the, before this church started, they had to deal with something really difficult. Um, it started with 12 guys, 12 disciples. And then we know what happened to one of them, right? He turned out to be not so great. Um, and he betrayed Jesus. And then Jesus went back to heaven. He ascended to heaven after, after raising, being raised from the dead and appearing in front of all his disciples. And can you imagine, like, you've spent three years with this guy. You've lived with him. You've traveled with him. Your road trips make good friends. You know what I mean? Like road trips make good friends. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like when, you, when you're in a car with somebody for a long period of time, you, you spend a lot of time with them, make good friends. These guys were pretty much like on a three-year camel trip with Jesus, you know, donkey trip with Jesus. And they went everywhere together, and then Jesus died. Imagine the, the sorrow that they felt. Then Jesus rose from the dead three days later. Imagine just like the emotions that are all attached to Jesus. And then he says, guys, I'm leaving, but I'll... I'll be back. And they sit there and they watch. Like imagine you, if this happened to you. Jesus just starts levitating up, up, up into the sky, into the cloud. You ever like, like let a helium balloon go up in the air and you just watch it and it gets harder and harder to see? You know, you're trying to watch it. You're trying to, that's what's happening with Jesus. And they're trying to watch him and they're just staring. They're all like this. Because you know? I'd be doing the same thing too. Like, don't be, don't be hard on the disciples. And then these angels walk up to, you know, walk up to um, the disciples, and they say, "Why are you standing here, staring into the sky?" <laughs> it's because Jesus went up there. You know? But as Jesus was ascending, he gave the his disciples these commands. In verse eight, he said, um, "It's not." He said, uh, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses." In Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Before that, in verse 5, he, he gave them specific instructions. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Jerusalem was not their hometown. Remember, they were from Galilee. So they, you know, they, were, they were in the big city, and they were ready to get home to where they were familiar with. And he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. So what did the disciples do? The first part of the, the first ingredient in the secret sauce is they obeyed Jesus. They went back to Jerusalem. They went back to that upper room, and they waited. Anybody here hate waiting? I hate waiting for things. Oh, my goodness. Anybody else have um, drive through rage? Like McDonald's, they don't get your order done, and, and, and you know, some of your parents are like this maybe. And McDonald's don't get your order done in two minutes. I mean, your, your mom's over there, she, she's writing a manager. You know, she, she's filing a complaint. You know, like, 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 like we do not like to wait for anything. Um, the disciples waited. We don't know how long they waited, 
in this room how long they waited for the Holy Spirit to come, but it was multiple days. It wasn't like they just walked in, the, you know, sat down, and boom, their Holy Spirit comes. No, they waited. It's hard to obey Jesus sometimes. Sometimes he tells us to do things that involve things that don't come naturally to us, like waiting. So the first thing that this church valued was obedience. So here's the first question we're going to I'm going to ask you. Oh, and I already missed a couple. Okay. My slides are messed up. Here's the question. Listen to it. What is the first step of obedience to Jesus for every Christian? Like once you put your faith in Jesus, what's the first thing that Jesus wants you to do? Oh, there's my slide. Hey, (laughs) I got nervous and I lost it. So just think about that. I'm going to give you like a cut, just like 30 to 60 seconds. I'll even give you some mood music as you talk. First step of obedience. Open up a retirement savings account. No, that's not the first step. All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And don't feel pressured on these. This isn't like a test or anything, and you get docked if you're wrong, you know. Just enjoy. All right. Let me see some answers. Getting baptized and then sharing the gospel. That's good. Baptism, listen, the bi- oh, you guys are the big Johns, okay, I didn't know if that was an answer, or <laughs> listen, be passionate, be understanding, the DK, DK crew, uh, baptism, make disciples of all men, okay, believers baptism, I gotta shimmy back here, repent of your sins and be baptized, what is the first step? Reading the Bible. Okay, I got you. Reading the Bible. Trust and faith. Read the Word. I'm going to have to, oh, I was trying to read that art. Baptism, prayer, and studying the Bible. He wants us to have a desire to learn about Him and to love others and sharing with others. Um, you, guys are, you guys are on it. Um, congratulations. Um, what you see in the book of Acts, especially in Acts 2, the first thing, the first thing that people do after they put their faith in Jesus is that they're baptized. So that would be technically the first step of obedience. Um, and then after that, they start growing in the Lord. They start meeting together like you guys are talking about. So first step, I would say one step 1.1, baptism. Step 1.2, connect with people and start studying the Bible. So you guys are good. So you know, if we're supposed to value obedience, here's the next question. What are some practical ways that teenagers can obey God? Like you're a teenager. God wants you to obey him. How do you do that?
and I have a slide for that one, so I'll give you like a minute or something. All right, let's see some answers here. I'll start in the back this time. Be in the Word. You can't obey if you don't know it. Ooh, that's profound. And that was attributed to Laura. Um, Read the Word and share. Be involved. Study His Word. Keep trusting and stay connected with the right people. Listen to God. Get involved in the church, witness to others, pray and read your Bible, serve others, have self-control, oh, that's fruit of the Spirit, follow what he says, love him and others, don't fall into peer pressure, be passionate in your faith, get connected with a church and read your Bible, be nice and attend church regularly, please be nice. Um, this is the brew, I'd like to know what that acronym is, attend church Study the Bible and apply the Bible's morals. Okay. Uh, read the, well, I already got you guys. Um, honor your, oh, I didn't think anybody would hit on this one. You guys are brave. Honoring your parents because Jesus commanded it. Study the Bible. Pray. Go to church. Um, get more involved in church. Good stuff, guys. Did I miss anybody? I think I got everybody. Okay. So, um, that was the first ingredient in the secret sauce. It was obedience. They were actually crazy enough to do what God expected them to do. And um, the next thing they valued was gathering. Um, check it out. I'm going to keep reading here in Acts. Um, go to um, chapter 2, verse 1. Where did, where did the Holy Spirit find these believers? It says, they were all together in one place. Man, wouldn't it be terrible if, like, one person went on, like, a sheets run and they missed when the Holy Spirit came? <laughs> like, one person, like, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, and they come back and everybody's speaking in tongues and they got flames on their heads. and They're like, hey, bro, you should have been here, you know? <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, if one of the 120 wasn't there? Um, they, they gathered together and they valued gathering together. So, um, I had two questions, but I'm going to go to the second one, because this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. How can Christians, even though they're busy, because I know you guys are busy and you have a lot going on, so how can we as Christians, or maybe some of you have no life, I don't know, um, but how can Christians, even though they're busy, gather together more often? Like, if we actually want to value it, like, how, how do we do it? So, there you go. There's your question. Google Hangouts.
All right, I give you 30 seconds. All right, let's see what you got. We'll start while well, these guys are still riding. I'll plan ahead. Um, you're not going to do it if you don't have it planned, right? You have a schedule for school. You have a schedule for a practice. Plan ahead. Over social media, and, you know, Evelina's holding the sign here, and Evelina's really good about, like, using, so I, not to call her out, but, like, she's really good about using social media to, like, point others to Christ. Um, so we have this great tool, right? Last week, on Wednesday, we talked about how, like, social media sometimes can be bad. That's a good way to use social media. These guys are still deliberating. Um, the DK crew, set a time to meet. So like these guys were talking about, schedule it. Um, give Christ preeminence over all things, even our schedule. Ooh, man, that's tough. You know, yeah, make God God of your schedule. Communication, actually talk to each other. Yeah, like when you walk into the park, don't just talk to the same two people you always talk to. Um, give up things that are less important. Man, put things in perspective. Set aside time. I'm, I'm seeing a pattern here. And um, take away extra activities out of your day. You know, you guys don't have, I'm, I don't know why I'm looking in this direction, but you guys don't have an excuse of not getting together if you play Fortnite more than four hours a day on your summer break. Um, <laughs> you need some icy hot for that burn. Um, pr- <laughs> prioritize, sorry. <laughs> prioritize it. Let people enter your mess. You don't have to have your house perfect. Just invite people over. Um, and, and meet where you are. Just get together where you are. Prioritize God. Make him number one. Man, you guys are like, it's like an obstacle course. Prioritize, prioritize and make time for Jesus, and that's shkadoos the turtle. Okay. Um, go to a Bible study or youth group, right, and prioritize. Like we give you one day out of the week here, right, Wednesday. Create your own Bible study wherever you are, and find people to share with. Clear your schedules and use your time wisely. I've already talked about that, so I'm not going to get onto that again. But use your time wisely. And take time out of the day. Prioritize it. So you guys know what we need to do. We just need to do it, right? So if, as we keep reading, um, they not only value gathering together, but they valued unity. I kind of call them the upper room posse. And, you know, they, they had their 120 in an upper room, and we've kind of got, you know, sometimes on Wednesdays we have our upper room posse, 120 in an upper room, right? But they really didn't have much in common. Um, some of them were men, and some of them were women. And back then, like, guy, unless you were married to someone, you didn't, you didn't talk, like, cross-genderally. Is that like a term, cross you know what I mean? Guys and girls didn't talk, generally speaking, unless they were married. Like, it was just the culture back then. So the fact that they were all gathered together was a big deal. Um, some worked, like, and they had kind of, like, office jobs. And some were, like, outdoor fishermen, blue-collar workers. Some were, like, very religious in their background. And some were recently converted prostitutes. How did this group that was, like, had nothing in common... <laughs> How did they get together and have this unity? Look at Acts 1.14. It says, and I like the way the ESV says it, so I have it quoted in the ESV in your notes. It says, all these, these different people, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brothers. So it says they were in one accord. That doesn't mean like a Honda Accord. That means they were in, like, all saying the same thing. They were all unified. Right? So, let me ask you this question. 
how can we be more unified? That's your next question. How can we be more unified? When I say we, I mean the people that are here tonight. Like, how can these, like, 12 to 14 or however much tables, how can we be more unified? Think, you know, we need to get the leaders of, of, of whiteboard back there. Do we have any more whiteboards? Let's get the leaders of whiteboard. And let's make them do some work back there, too. <laughs> I feel like they're coasting back there. I think they need to do some work. <laughs> I'll give you guys, like, another 30 seconds to 45 seconds. You, you feel All right, here we go. So let's see what these guys have. Be strong in the word. Okay, so understand the doctrine that you would do. I want to hold this up for the people. and Say it a little louder for the people in the back. Talk to everyone, not just the people that are your posse. Maybe we should try that here in a couple minutes. Um, communicate with others. Talk to others. Reach out. Okay, that's good. Get to know each other better. That's one of the reasons we're gathered here this weekend. Allie's still working on one. We'll go over here. Um, set aside your differences and uh, remove yourself from your cliques. Man, that's hard to do, but we need to do it. Um, stop. Uh, Jackson has turned the word click into a verb. He says stop clicking and hold no grudge for Jesus. So don't hold grudges. Talk to others come together more often, right? The more time we spend together, the better we know each other. Be more forgiving. And teamwork, is that teamwork? Teamwork. It makes the dream work. Um, Everybody said that at the same time. I like that. Communicate. Set aside your difference. Focus on sharing the gospel. Here's what I've learned, that the more we're focused on sharing the gospel, the less we're concerned about petty differences, because we're like a band of brothers and sisters. Get personal about life stuff. Don't do the regular Sunday morning, hi, Will, how are you? And then Will says, I'm great, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great, except for the fact that my dog died, you know, and, and, and I stubbed my toe on the way in, right? But I'm going to pretend like I'm great. Um, focus on oneness in Christ rather than differences. And then, this is Bible. Love covers a multitude of sins, so we should forgive. Communicate with stick people. Communicate with stick people. No, communicate with people, Right? Um, communication, talk to people. Back here, oh, yeah, right, we, we, we've got them all now, right? Yeah, we've got them all. So, um, oh, did you guys actually have one? I didn't think you had time. Oh, you have a bad marker? Why don't you just tell us what you're going to write, Kate? Oh, put phones down. Mmm. Yeah, like we talked about on Wednesday, focus on the people who matter, the people who are in the room. Okay, so... They, they valued unity, and here's the final ingredient to the secret sauce. Here's the final ingredient to the secret sauce for the upper room posse that I pray that we will become. They valued prayer. Look at this verse that we just read in Acts 1.14, but if you look at the notes, I highlighted a portion of it. It says, all of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to to prayer. That phrase, devoting themselves to prayer, it comes from like a single Greek word. Like when you translate from one language to another, sometimes you can't like fully 
come up with the thought that one word invokes. Like, how would you define love in one word? It'd be pretty hard, wouldn't it? You have to use several words. In this case, this Greek word, you ready to hear me try to pronounce it? Pruscatrero. Just rolls off your tongue, right? How do you spell it? It's in your notes. It's actually like right below that verse. It's in your notes. Um, The word means to endure with, meaning they endured with each other in prayer. Um, They spent, it says, in constant prayer in the NIV. They prayed all the time. When they were waiting for God to send his promises, what were they doing? They were praying. When they had to make a decision to replace Judas in Acts 1, how did they make that decision? They prayed about it. They were always praying together. Does God need to be invited into anybody's situation? No, he's God. But when we pray, when we pray, we open our hearts up to God and Not that God's not going to use us, but we find the joy of what it means to be working with God as he's using us. And these people connected to God in a very special way. Last, I got two more questions and we're going to go downstairs and eat. What stops teens from praying? What stops teens from praying? And what I'm talking about here is maybe you pray a prayer before bed, I know, or do something like that. What stops teens from praying together? What stops teens from praying together? So yeah, add together to the end of that. What stops teens from praying together? There, I fixed it. What stops teens or leaders from praying together. <laughs> okay, so let's start, let's start in the back with the hooligans in the back. Pride and fear. Okay, I think those are both, those are both um, uh, good, I want to say good reasons, but that they happen. We have anything back here, big guy? Okay. Well, hurry up or I'll break your other arm. No. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's go right here. Um, life, um, embarrassment. Some of us, we don't like to like pray in front of people. Pride or awkwardness. Yeah. Fear of, admi- oh, fear of admitting what's going on. Actually being real. And attention span. I can vouch for that one. That's a real thing. Embarrassment. Your surroundings. Um, excuses and just shyness or being scared. Um, Wow, you've got quite a list here. Phones, social media, fear of praying in front of others, putting urgent tasks, uh, quote-unquote air quotes, Dr. Evil air quotes, urgent tasks ahead of prayer. So um, peer pressure, worrying about what others will say about how they pray, thinking you're not good enough at prayers. Um, Phones and school, uh, social media. Oh, see, these guys, they're honest. Video games. Um, earthly things, um, depression, friends, social media, busy schedules, peer pressure, sports, pride, and school, guilt. Oh, yeah, sometimes we feel like we, hey, guys, up here. Sometimes we feel like we can't approach God because of guilt, pride, embarrassment, busyness, and 
you have a good old, I have my, my phone. Um, there goes, oh, this is not real things. Um, not enough time, um, inadequacy, electronics, peer pressure, and social media. Did I get, oh, these guys have, they've, they've got theirs. Um, so, is that a hashtag? Oh, no. Electronics. Okay, so um, there are things that stop us. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, a lot of us just, are, we're concerned that we, we're not going to say it right. You know? <laughs> we're concerned that we're not going to say it right. Um, but one thing I can tell you as a father is that Addie doesn't have to say things right for me to love her. She just has to talk to me. I get concerned when she doesn't talk to me. And I'll bet your parents are the same way. They get concerned when you don't talk to them. Um, God loves to hear you talk to him. Um, and when we pray, we actually, and when we pray together, we do something that's very, um, I think it's very helpful for us. And I'm an introvert. How many of y'all here, well, you may be too afraid to raise your hands, but how many of you here are an, in, you're an introvert, meaning you're not, you're not crazy about social, like, situations, Right? And I know, yeah, introverts aren't going to raise their hand. How many of y'all are extroverts? You love a good conversation. You're just live at the party, right? You have no problem putting you got both hands up, right? So, but can I tell you something? As an intro, I am an introvert, and as an introvert, it is very difficult for me to be a youth pastor where I have to talk to a lot of people. Um, something that I've learned is I grow so much, I grow so much spiritually when I pray with people, and this is the reason why. It's because I, quote, in a way, I die a social death. I make my relationship with Jesus and leading others in a relationship with Jesus more important than my concern about the way others view me. And when you do that, and that's, you know, when you do that and you follow Jesus in obedience, it's really incredible how much you grow spiritually. So, how can we, here's the final question. How can we be praying for our service projects tomorrow, right? Um, if we're going to gather together and pray for our service projects, what are some ways that we can pray for our service projects tomorrow? You know, some of you, you, you kind of looked and you know where you're going, um, but you kind of know where everybody's going to be. What are some things that we can pray for? I'll give you uh, 30 to 45 seconds um, to talk about that, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to go downstairs and eat. All right, 15 seconds. Sometimes my 30 seconds are short. <laughs> I'm one of those clocks that's a little fast. Yeah. So. All right, we'll start right here. <laughs> um, so here are some things that we should be praying, we could be praying for for our service projects tomorrow. Um, that we represent Jesus in a good way. Uh, no matter what kind of shirt you wear tomorrow, you're going to have your Jesus shirt on, meaning you're representing Christ. That's good. Um, to accomplish everything that will be productive in our work, um, to be safe, and to bring people to God. Um, pray that we show God's love through our work. That's good. Um, pray for focus, that we'll be a light to people, and pray that people will be open, that we can have gospel conversations. Um, that we don't hurt ourselves, because yeah, you know how we are, right? <laughs> um, and that we have a servant's heart. That's good. Um, good 
communication, that we communicate well together, um, that we can reach out to unsaved people. Okay, I'll get to you guys. Um, <laughs> troublemakers back there. And that we'll be productive in our work. What do we have over here? The DK crew. Oh, no, I already got you guys. Uh, that we represent God, that, we're, that we, we serve together, that we serve as one unit. That's good. Um, that the people we meet will be open. Um, that you know, God will open hearts and that our message will get across because our message is important. I, I'm saving you guys for last. I'm not going to honor your disruptiveness back there. Um, that the Holy Spirit will fill the rooms and he fills our hearts. Um, that will represent LMBC slash refuel students well and that will show love. Um, that we don't center, the, or don't center the prayer around what we're doing. But those who are serving, oh, that's good, those who are serving. Pray for the people we're serving, not the projects, but the people. Um, pray that everything goes right and the people will hear the word. It's good. Did I miss anybody? I, 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 got every, I, I don't know about you guys, yeah. Um, so I, I, what do you think they're trying to get across to us that we should pray for? That we should pray for boldness, uh, right? That God, that God does some things through us that we never thought he could do through us, that we step out of our comfort zone. That's good. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, a couple parts of the secret sauce that we talked about, we're going to do right now. So we're going to get saucy. So look to the person next to you and say, let's get saucy. <laughs> okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to This may get a little chaotic. We want to value prayer and unity, okay? So the first thing is, you know, we've kind of got our little circles representative, the people that we're comfortable with in our literal circles, don't we? So here's what I want you to do. I want, I think we have an even number here. If not, the leaders will balance it out. Um, I want your circle, you're sitting in a circle, to merge with another circle, and one person in that merged circle lead a prayer for the service projects tomorrow. So find a circle to merge with, and then but after you merge, I'll get us all kind of settled down to where we pray. So find a circle. Find a circle. Because we have to be unified. We have to demonstrate unity. And make sure your merge circle is a circle, not a trapezoid or a rhombus, or anything like that, an octagon. We want circles. Let's see. Is, there, is, is anybody missing a circle? You guys need a circle to merge with. Okay, you guys go merge with the... No, they've merged. You guys go merge with the leaders. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... So, so here, here we go. Let's, we're going we're gonna, to um, be a little... Um, what do you call it? We're going we're gonna to be a little risky. Um, we're going to be a little vulnerable here. So what I want you to do is I want you to make it a huddle. Reach out and touch the person next to you, okay? And one person in your group, in your circle, lead a prayer for the service projects. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.